You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. The title of my message today is God's Word for Us in the Face of Serious Setbacks. I guess you almost knew that was coming, right? (laughs) The fact is that most everyone suffers some sort of a setback in life. Sometimes these setbacks can be overwhelming. You cannot help but ask why. Consider Job for a moment. He, he certainly sounds like a man that has been stunned by what has happened to him. Job chapter 17, verses 1 to 2, he says, My spirit is crushed. And my spirit is nearly snuffed out. The grave is ready to receive me. I'm surrounded by mockers. I watch how bitterly they taunt me. You must defend my innocence, O God, since no one else will stand for me. And then in verse 11, he says, my days are over. My hopes have disappeared, and my heart's desires are broken. This is a man who was going through great trial. And so, Father in heaven today, we want to ask that you would make your word real to our hearts today. We want to thank you, Lord that you have promised to be with us through the fire, through the flood. Lord, we want to thank you that you said you would never leave us or forsake us. And today, Lord, we want to declare that our hope is in you, that you are the God of miracles, that you do the unexpected, And Lord, you are our everything. My first point today is setbacks are not necessarily failures. Most of us have experienced setbacks in life that have placed us in that same pit of helplessness and despair that Job found himself in. For some of us, it has lasted for months, for some even years. In situations like this, you may feel like a failure, but you are never a failure unless you give up. As long as you can keep pressing in, unless, unlong, as long as you keep believing that God is able to do the exceedingly abundant above all that you ask or think. 
There is hope. You're not a failure. We would do well to follow the psalmist's decision in Psalm 42:11. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. He's the one who is looking after you and I. He's the God who cares. He's the God who sees. He's the God who understands everything that we are going through. I recently read a, a blog by John Maxwell dated May the 31st, 2016. He spoke of rubber band people who no matter what happens in the, to them in their life, they always seem to bounce back. They may experience illness or family tragedy or a run of bad luck, whatever you may call it, but they never seem to, to, it never seems to keep them down. Life can stretch them to their breaking point, but like the rubber band, they always find a way to get back to their original shape. Maxwell continued his uh, motivational blog with some interesting points, but close but closed off his article with the most powerful of all, stemming from his deep faith in Jesus Christ. So some of you may know John Maxwell. Uh, we first were introduced to him as a minister of the Presbyterian Church and a man of motivational speaking. And he finally uh, left the church and went into, into this uh, ministry that he does right up to this very day. And so he says, find strength beyond yourself. He says, for me, when things get to their most difficult point, there is only one place for me to turn, and that is to God. I remember reading an article a while ago, and he, he was talking about how people uh, were amazed at some of the, the things that he comes up with, and they were asking, where do you get your material? And first of all, he wouldn't tell them. He said, you don't want to know, because these were all uh, people who were in the world and looking for, looking for answers to life's most pressing questions, and especially in business. And so he said, you don't want to know. But then... Finally, he said, I get my material from the Bible. And uh, so sometimes life is filled with challenges that stretch us so far that we, we fear that we will never get back to where we were. You may find yourself struggling to make sense of your emotions, your thoughts, or your very place in this world. Sometimes these require human strength. But in the darkest moment, I encourage you to bring your pain to God. 
He goes on to say, he knows not only how to comfort you, but he knows how to bring you through the path and into the new light, a better life. And if you reach out to him, he will bring you through every time. Early in my Christian walk, I heard a lady during testimony service quote this scripture. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. Seek him in all you do, and he will show you the right path to take. This for me is, is how I find strength beyond myself. My faith in God and his word, the Bible, keeps me secure in the best and the worst of situations. There's a song that is near and dear to me, and it says, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. If I'm going to need a little drop of that water you got there. One of the things in some of the medications that I'm taking dries out my mouth. But I'll try not to be a dry preacher this morning. Okay, my second point is my personal story. I just want to, you to hear what I've been going through and how I've handled it. And uh, I, I trust it will be a, dis, uh, a uh, encouragement to you. On Friday, Friday night, February the 24th of this year, I went to bed feeling healthy and strong and looking forward to spending some time with our youngest grandkids during their USA spring break. What I didn't know is within six hours, I would be facing a setback that would force me to practice everything that I've preached in the past 30 plus years. I woke up at approximately 9 a.m. with a light aching in both of my arms. I remember thinking this feels very much like the heart attack I had 16 years ago. Within five minutes, the pain was becoming unbearable. As I lay in Cold Lake Emergency, I wasn't thinking about dying. I wasn't thinking about living. I was thinking any minute now, I will draw my last breath. I wasn't praying, I couldn't pray. I had that calm assurance that if this was my appointed time to die, I would be as the Bible's says, 
absent from the body and present with the Lord. There is a very calm peace to that. But you were praying. Many of you were praying. If he enlisted your prayers right away and God heard and answered your prayers. I could have uh, quoted while I was on the plane to Edmonton and they would not have tried to resuscitate me because there was a mistake made in the form and I was classified as an R2 and that means do not resuscitate. But you were praying. And so when we landed in the, at the airport in Edmonton, an EMT looked over my file and said, do you, ask me, he said, do you have a terminal illness? And I said, no, not that I know of. He said, well, there's something wrong with this because you're classified R2. And so he went through the work of calling back to the hospital here in Cold Lake and getting a hold of the cardiologist in, in Edmonton at the, at the U of A and finally got it all straightened out. And he said, okay, we're ready to go. Whatever happens to you now, he said, we're ready for it. Three weeks later, I'm back at home in Cold Lake. I remember that after the heart attack 15, 16 years ago, I was back in the pulpit about approximately a month and a half. So I was thinking, well, two months and I'll be back in the pulpit for sure. I'm thinking it will be much the same, but it wasn't to be. The fact is, I'm 16 years older. I have had a major surgery, and I've had a major heart attack. And in natural terms, I was facing a serious setback. One month passes, and I'm feeling a little stronger, and I'm having problems with my breathing and my leg and my knee is really painful. The second month, the chest surgery is healed as far as the, 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 the cut is concerned, and the breathing is more difficult. And there is very little change in my knee and leg. I'm almost through the third month the leg is 90% as far as the surgery goes, but the knee is damaged to the point of wearing a brace and the breathing is almost unbearable. And I find myself sleeping in a recliner for over a month. Could not lie on my back, could not lie on my side. If I did, I'd just feel like I was drowning. And there's very little change in the leg. Tests reveal that there's fluid on one of my lungs. And now I have to consider my future in ministry. Colate Community Church ministry must go on. And I'm being concerned that maybe I'm being more of a drag now on the church than a help. And maybe I'll never be able to go back again. So I've decided that if I am unable to return full time by August the 1st, I will resign. 
but I'm standing on the promises of God. I don't want to resign. I don't feel in my spirit that God is finished with me yet. And so I've decided that I'm going to stand on the promises. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to say, yes, I'm going back to work, and I'm going to believe it. And I'm hoping that it will be so. So, by his stripes I am healed. I would continually remind myself of that. I would remind myself that I, that he said, I am the Lord who heals you. I would remind myself that you shall live and not die and declare the wondrous works of the Lord. No plague shall come near your dwelling. He has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And the blessings of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. But you know something? Even when you confess those scriptures to yourself, when you say, I am going to go through, I know that God is going to take me through. Satan, do not leave you alone. And so this is how he would attack me in my mind. Where is your healing now? You went from having the energy, you would say you have the energy of a 50-year-old man, and now you're gone to a six, 77-year-old man overnight. And Effie, your wife, she's suffering in pain as well. Seems like the plague is not only near your dwelling, it's in your dwelling. You will never preach another sermon or counsel another person. How foolish you were to leave the oil industry for the ministry. All of your peers who you work with in the oil industry are retired in luxury and you have nothing. Is this the blessings of the Lord? And as a child of God, I had to stop and remember again the promises of God's word that never fail. God has promised. And I am a person who says, when God is finished with me, he's going to take me home. And I'm not afraid to die. I love my family, I love my children, I love my grandchildren. But when that time comes, I know that God has something better prepared. Immediately I'm reminded that Satan tried this same tactic with Jesus. And Jesus countered with the word of God, it is written. So all of the word of God that I have hidden in my heart, I am confessing and I am believing. In times like this, it's that you know and believe what the Bible says. I'm so glad that I, as the psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Not in my brain, in my heart. It's in my heart. It's in my very life, in my very innermost being. And when I was in so much pain, too much pain to think straight, when I was too weak to pray, I had the calm assurance that God was with me. And that his promises are yes and amen to those who believe. My body was in a mess. My kidneys took a hit during the heart attack. My spleen was enlarged. My lungs were covered in fluid. And yet, my spirit was in no pain. There was no discouragement there. The word of God was quick and powerful within me. And I was experiencing the peace of God that passes all understanding. Get another little water here. And go to point three. Setbacks from God's viewpoint. How do God view the setbacks that you and I face in life? Sometimes what we call setbacks turn out to be a means of course correction. In other words, what we see as a setback may be a, merely a waypoint. Now, I learned about waypoints because my hobby is flying planes. Not regular planes, but MS Flight Simulator. And this is where I became familiar with the term waypoint. A waypoint is an intermediate point or a place on a route to a line of travel a stopping point or a point at which you make a course correction. It most often refers to coordinates which specify one's position on the globe at the end of each leg or stage of an air flight or a sea passage. If you believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and if you have truly submitted to that plan, then you know and understand when God's word says in Romans 8:28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. And sometimes there are course corrections in life. I was going like a, a house on fire. I wasn't taking time. People were telling me, 
You know, you should watch yourself. You should, you should pace yourself. You're going a little too fast there. But I didn't listen to anyone. And finally, God had a way of slowing me down, giving me five months of rest. It wasn't an easy way, but probably it's the best way. I certainly had a course correction. Jeremiah 29:11. he says to Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, he says, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I'm one of those who happen to believe that God is no respecter of persons. If he will do that for Jeremiah, he'll do that for me. Amen? We should never give up because something bad has happened to us. God never intended for us to be quitters. Galatians 6 and 9 so says, says, So let us not get tired doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Keep pushing in. Keep believing. Because God has a plan. Sometimes we fail because we give up too soon. Your blessing is just around the corner. Your healing is about to happen. Your loved one is about to accept Jesus. That relationship that you feared was over is about to be restored. That financial situation is about to be changed to prosperity. That dark night of the soul is coming to an end. God's word is filled with guidelines and principles to make our lives all that God desires us to be. The Bible clearly states that his way is the right way. His way is the best way. Sometimes our setbacks are a result of wrong decisions made without seeking God. And we suffered a consequence for that. But many times, we haven't done anything that would bring it on. But God knows. Our response to setbacks will play a large part in what our future will be. Let's look in on the crucifixion and the resurrection account of two men, Judas and Peter. Judas took a bribe, betrayed Jesus with a kiss, and in remorse went back to the religious leaders, said, I've betrayed innocent blood, returned the money, and went out and hanged himself. Peter denied that he knew Jesus, ran out of that place repenting with bitter tears. Peter must have thought, God can never use me again. So he decided to go back to his old trade, fishing. Easter morning, the angel gave a message to the women who went to the tomb. In Mark 16, verse 7, it says, 
Now go and tell to his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Most Bible scholars feel that he singled out Peter because Peter probably felt that he didn't deserve to be a disciple anymore. He felt like a hypocrite. And Jesus knew that Peter needed a word of encouragement even to show up. John gives an account of Peter's meeting with Jesus at Galilee. In John 21, verses 15 and 17, says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked a question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. This was Jesus' affirmation to Peter. I'm not finished with you. As a disciple of mine, I have a lot of work for you to do. Remember, approximately one year before this, Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. It's in, you'll find it in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Two serious setbacks on the eve of the day that Jesus would pay the price for all sin. One man chooses to take his own life rather than face the consequences of his deeds. But Peter repented, and some 40 days later, he preached the message that saw 3,000 people give their heart to the Lord in one day. You may be facing serious setbacks, in your life. If you will submit to the grace of God and stand on the promises of his word, you will find yourself in the center of his will. And that's the best place to be. So consider your setbacks to be waypoints that are by God's design. He has set your course, followed by faith, wherever that course leads. The next chapter of your life may be even greater 
than you've ever experienced before. Oh, by the way, Job's setback turned out to be a waypoint. Listen to Job 42, 10 to 16. When Job prayed for his friends, you know, Job talked about the mockers, the scoffers, that were his friends. These were the people that stood beside him all along. And now they were coming and saying, Job, you must be a sinful man. These sort of things don't happen to good people. You've sinned. Repent. Job said, no, I haven't done anything. I've made everything right with God. God even said he's a man of integrity. So when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And the, the Lord, they should have said the Lord allowed to be brought against him. And, uh, and each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 1, team of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. And Job, Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren and then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. Trust in the Lord. He'll see you through. Setbacks. It's not easy when you're going through them. But on the other side, there's reason for great rejoicing. And if you have a need today, and you want prayer, I'd be glad to pray with you. Still got lots of energy left. Some people wondered if I would make it for 30 minutes. I think I must have did better more. So praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.